You're now listening to Bad Guy Radio, Black and White with Iowa Sox and your boy. What's up, King Mag? I appreciate it. All right, welcome back. Episode number four of Black and White with Iowa Sox, Ryan, and your guy, King Mac. Uh, tonight, guys, we got a special guest. We have uh, St. Lawrence assistant baseball coach of 16 years, Adam Lotus, here to talk with us a little bit about baseball, uh, recruiting, uh, just kind of the high school game around Chicago right now. Uh, we got a big Sox game on tonight. Mac, Mac, what do you think about the Sox game so far? Uh, Giolito's looking good. That's about it. The offense not doing too much. Adam, Adam, have you seen anything with uh, the Sox game yet? I know you got you just got off the game. Uh, yeah, but you're kind of just picking it up. What 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 are your thoughts so far tonight? Yeah, I actually turned it on in the car. I had my uh, my oldest son with me, so I had it on the the phone and. I turned it on right when Grandall hit into a double play. Uh, surprise, surprise, right? I know. Like we gotta be, we gotta get that run in. That's you know, you're a professional hitter, so you know, getting paid a lot of money, and you got to be able to execute. Not to say it ain't gonna happen ever, but it happens too much with him. <laughs> uh, no, I, I agree with you 100. Uh, percent One of the first questions I want to ask tonight, and um, with Adam being a pitching coach himself um i think he is the great person to lead this off and just get his opinion on dylan cease he's in my opinion he's been iffy adam what have you seen so far from dylan cease this year and what what can we expect going forward from him yeah i mean you talk about stuff i think i would take his stuff over just about anyone on the white Sox, but his command is uh, he, he doesn't do it consistently enough. And, and that's as a pitcher, that's, it's tough. You know, if you're a one pitch guy, like, you know, these major leaguers, they're not going to, they're not going to miss, you know? So, um, but stuff wise, you know, we can only use the fact that uh, these guys are young so much, you know, at some point they got to grow and, you know, be better if you will, you know, and trust your stuff and, and be able to execute pitches. That's what it's going to come down to. See, I'm, I'm right there with you, and Mac, Mac knows my opinion on this. If you continue to go into three-ball counts with every single hitter in the lineup, you will never be successful. And I've had people say, oh, well, it's just because he has so many pitches. Well, limit your pitches then. Go to a three-pitch pitcher and just attack the zone. When you're dancing around with guys and – getting into hitters counts, you're never going to be successful that way. No, hundred percent. Not that's, it's not a good recipe, you know, especially like, I think uh, a lot of these guys are, are coddled at younger ages and, you know, pitch counts are a legit thing. Um, but, you know, they don't know how to, you know, get people out early in the count because fastball, 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 you know, and not being able to throw off speed and breaking pitches, it's it ain't going to work. Well, that, that's the that's one of the arguments that I've seen a lot is, oh, well, he has his off speeds. But the main thing, he's not throwing them for strikes. He needs yeah. to be able to throw that for a strike. Like, start a batter off with 
a breaking ball right down the middle and say, all right, Hey, I have this in my arsenal right now, but he has not shown that yet. And another point that you made is where does potential and when are we done with you kind of come into play here? And maybe Mac has Mac has an opinion on this. Man, I don't think they're going to be done with him because of the stuff he does have. And he's, uh, he is still young. I personally think it's mental. You know, I'm a person that believes baseball is like 80% mental and 20% physical. I think with Cease, even when he does get into a hitter into a bad count when he got a guy down 0-2 or 1-2, he seems to mess around. You know, he seems not to stay aggressive and go after guys and put them away. So I think it's more of a mental thing with Cease. Right. It, hey, it's mental, but, like, when do the White Sox say, hey, we can't get you out of your head? We've seen this the last two years, same stuff over and over, where you can't get out of an inning or you throw 80 pitches through three. When, when, when are they done, man? I don't I'm, think I'm they, so over. I'm so over seeing this guy every five days. That's, I don't think they and, anywhere near that, though. I mean, I don't think – if you're looking for them to get rid of seats, I don't think you're going to see that anytime soon. I mean, stuff always wins. Exactly. I mean, it's like, it's like, uh, just think about this to put it in perspective. Imagine if the White Sox had had gotten rid of T.A. three or four years ago when he was making, you know, a ton of errors a season. You know, that's when they look at talent, they looking at this guy stuff, how old he is, and they putting that like, okay, we can see what he does for at least one or two more years. But I don't think Cease is anywhere near that point where they're going to just give up on him. You know, if, if I'm the, more worried about Crochet's velocity. I'm not going to lie. I agree see, with that, that. That's a whole other story. Like, that, <laughs> that is definitely dropped, and it is scary. He is not the, the lights-out pitcher we saw the second half of last year at all. Like, he, yeah. he's getting touched up. Not, I wouldn't say touched up, but – they're making contact on him, and it, it hasn't been good so far. Yeah, I mean, he's down to, like, 96, 97 now. And you think he had that, uh, what, forearm issue, you know, last year that took him out of the Oakland game. So anytime a pitcher start dipping in velo, I mean, it is a concern as far as if they might be injured or not. I'm going to be honest, I wasn't a fan of the pick. I actually wanted them to take somebody that was in you guys' league, which was uh, Ed Howard. But uh, I just don't believe in taking pitches in the first round. I- I'm just not a fan of that. To me, if I was controlling the team, I would drive up the middle guys majority of the time. I would take catches, shortstops, center fielders. That's the way I would roll. But uh, I just uh, – I'm not especially a bullpen guy. This guy was – it wasn't like he was dominant in college. That's number one. And then number two, it wasn't like he was a guy going consistently deep into games in college. So to me, to take a a bullpen guy in the first round, that makes no sense to me. And they did the same thing with Zach Birdie. So I'm not a fan of those type of uh, picks, man. Yeah. It's a different game now, though. You know, you got to admit that. Like, I I honestly hate the – the state of Major League Baseball. I love the White Sox. I'm gonna obviously watch them, but there, there's it's home run, strikeout, walk. You know, you can't tell me that. <clears throat> you know, 
some of these guys can't do better. Like, you know, and I had the, I had the, this discussion with my 13 year old team a couple weeks ago. Like I was like embarrassed walking back to the dugout after I struck out, like these guys strike out 180 times a year. And it's like, no big deal. I get it. They're getting paid to hit home runs, but you know, and, and, and I hope we talk about Nick Madrigal cause I'm a huge fan of Nick and I know you are too. Like you need some guys in your lineup that are going to grind out at bats and the White Sox, you know, I think that's why they lost last year. To be honest, they had too many free swingers in the lineup and they were a better team with McCann and Madrigal and, you know, guys like that who are going to put together quality at bats. Well, like I'll even, I'll even add Tim Anderson leading off a game when he just has to flick his wrist out to right field to get on base. Like I, I call him the table setter every game because that's all he does. He gets yeah. on for those other free swingers and then makes stuff happen. And it's usually just by flicking a ball to right field effortlessly. And Hey, it could be a double or they'll steal a bag, make it a double in that. I think that's one of the best um, parts of the white Sox lineup right now is Tim Anderson at the top. I yeah. mean, I'm a, I'm a, I agree with what coach said though, as far as, I think it's a lost art. I think people have forgotten how important it is to really set up a lineup or construct a lineup. I mean, when you setting a lineup up or putting a lineup in, it's kind of like a puzzle. You know, each piece fit and each piece has a job to do. And I think that has gotten lost in baseball where people just think they can look at a guy and say, well, this guy gets on base 36% of the time, so we could put him in the second spot. You know, you even had people saying that you could probably put Grandel in the second spot. To me, that made no sense. You're going to put a, a base clogger in the second spot. You know, if a, if a, if he gets on second, it's no guarantee if a guy get a base hit that he's going to score a run. I mean, these are things you got to think about because, number one, runs are so hard to come by. Mm-hmm. And they're even more harder when you just dependent on a home run because, as you can see, our big boppers are not really hitting home runs right now. So what other way are you going to score runs? You can't just have a bunch of strikeout guys. You can't have that. Yeah. You can't have guys who not able to hit the ball the other way when the situation calls for that. When you got a, gra- a guy where they leaving the uh, left side of the infield completely open and he can't even poke a ball the other way just to drive a guy in. He's hitting the ball to the second baseman and into a double play. I mean, those type of things will cost you games and each game counts really the same and they all add up and that's what people don't, you know, understand. And I think that's kind of lost in baseball and a touch on magical. That's why I do like magical. Magical is a guy who's going to get, the job done. He understands what his job is. He understands what type of player he is. That's why people, when people's talking about he should pull the ball more, or even some people's talking about he should add lift, I, I guarantee he was laughing at that in his head because <laughs> he knows what type of player he is. He knows what his job is. And that's a problem you have in today's game. People don't understand. I have a job to do. In this situation, it doesn't cause for me to hit a home run. It just calls for me to get the ball out to the outfield for a slack, uh, a sacrifice fly or to hit the ball to the right side of the field to move a guy over or to get a guy in from third base. 
I mean, you have a ton of guys that just don't understand situational baseball. And it is kind of sad when you watch today's game in that aspect. Yeah, guys don't know, understand because they're never exposed to it with all travel ball stuff. You're out there showcasing yourself and, you know, guys don't know how to put together good at-bats and, you know, really put pressure on the pitcher. And like, you know, we talk about all the time, your job is pitch to pitch. It, it changes, you know, and being able to, to adjust to what they're trying to do to you, you know, and to, to do your job. And that's it. And right. major leaguers, they probably don't want to hear it because, you know, they're paid to hit home runs. And I understand that, but it's also, you know, you can't watch a major league game a lot of times and expect to learn something. Like I make my kids watch baseball every night, you know, some aspect of it. Yeah, I mean, do you think the showcases are kind of making players, like, more selfish? Because at the showcases, it's like, it's all about me. I'm going out there, like you said, to showcase myself. So do you think at a young age they're being trained as far as baseball players just to think myself, you know, not the team? Because that's really how baseball is. Baseball is like a team sport. It goes back to what Adam said is with the travel ball. Everybody in the major leagues was the three hitter on their team and they didn't have to play situational baseball. They were, they were the dude that, you know, hit the double in the gap or hit that home run every single time. Like they never had to be the guy that, you know, dropped, dropped a drag bunt to get a guy over or, you know, hit behind a runner in a hit and run situation because their coaches were just, their coaches were probably, not educating them on the game of baseball and making them do those things. For sure. For sure. It, it's, it's definitely a factor with kids, you know, it's, you know, and I'll be honest at St. Lawrence, we have a lot of great kids and, you know, there are some really good things about travel ball, but you got to be real careful who you're aligning yourself with, you know, and what teams and, you know, there are some organizations that do a really good job, but a lot of them are, about money and not worried about player development more just getting, you know, the best kids and things like that. But like I said, there are some really good things about travel ball, uh, being exposed to a lot of different things. Um, but it has definitely impacted the game. And, you know, that's why we see a lot of stuff that, you know, should be taught at younger ages that, that is not. Yeah. I mean, the fundamentals is lacking. I mean, that's why you see, you know, shortstops, making a ton of errors these days. I mean, people don't pay attention to base running no more. <laughs> a lot of people probably don't yeah. even practice base running anymore. I mean, it, it seems like between, you know, travel ball and just looking at pure numbers that some of the game has been lost, you know, as far as uh, the little things that can help a team actually win. But I think it's, it's the – I think you have to blame some of the travel ball coaches as well because if you're teaching a kid baseball, then you should want to teach him situational baseball as well. I mean, let's face it, everybody who get drafted is not going to hit 30 home runs in the season. They're not going to be just great run production guys. So you want to be able to teach a kid a skill set that could possibly help him stick at that next level. So I think every kid should be taught fun, the fundamentals of baseball, how to move guys over, how to run the bases. All of those are important, and all of those add, add up to uh, victories, you know. 
And that's one reason why I was very interested and I like the program that you guys do, Adam, is because you guys practice. You guys work on developing players a lot. And I was just telling um, Iowa Sox that, you know, you guys don't necessarily, like, get just the pure talent that some of the people get in you guys' league, you know, that the readers get, that the brother rights get, that the Mount Carmel's get. So for you guys to stick around like you have is actually pretty amazing because you guys are really developing that talent on your own. You guys are really putting the work in, the effort in to develop those guys. So what are your thoughts as far as on baseball development? Do you think it needs to go back to a more traditional way of high school coaches coaching the game? Um, as far as having more uh, say-so in, in a player's development, more than like a travel ball team? Or do you think it's just travel ball teams and high school coaches need to work more together as far as developing players? Right. Yeah, I, let me, let me add ahead. something to that too, just because I know over the last 10 years, um, I graduated in 2008. When I was in high school, your high school team took priority. And now it seemed to kind of get away from that. Like you're the summer, the summer ball season. If I missed a summer ball game, I, I was, I was in big trouble with my high school team. And nowadays it's, it seems like those travel ball teams just kind of take precedence and yeah, you can go play with them because you're Johnny big home run guy and do whatever you want. How, how does, how does that play into it as well? Yeah. So, you know, before, you know, we were kind of that same mindset, like, you know, hey, you, you need to be with us, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday in the summertime. You know, now, you know, if – and we kind of put it in the kids' hands because it's really a lose-lose situation for us. If we hold a kid back, you know, and he thinks there's a college going to look at him, then we're the bad guys, you know. So um, we really put it in the kids' hands. We're going to be at school every day. If there's kids who want to come in and work and – and get their work in, we're going to, we're going to be there. And, um, <clears throat> you know, that that's unfortunately there's not a lot of, uh, you know, working together with a lot of, a lot of these places, you know, and, and a lot of it's because of the pitchers, you know, the pitchers are, you know, we're held the pitch counts for, for us, you know, in high school, but I have a kid telling me, Oh, I only threw, um, you know, I threw 90 pitches this week. Okay, well, and I threw Friday. I only threw 30 Friday, 30 Saturday, and then 30 again on Sunday. Okay, well, you warmed up. You know, you probably took 15 to 20 pitches to warm up. Your pre-inning pitches, your, you know, you know. so right there, don't tell me you threw 90 pitches. You probably are close to 200 pitches in three days where I'm, I'm going to be stuck and I'm always going to be conscious and, and lean towards, you know, not making – you know, somebody think that I'm burning up a kid, which I, 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 I've never done, but just cause I don't want that on my conscience, but you know, that that's where the travel ball comes into play. And it, and it really puts these kids in a bad situation, you know, cause they're not, they don't want to piss off their travel coach either. And I get that. They don't want to piss off their high school coach, but we also have to kind of keep in mind their kids and, you know, a kid's never going to say, Hey, I, I don't want the ball today. I can't throw. You know, and I, I would think less of a kid if he did that to me. 
Right. And especially it's rough. Like if that, if that's your number one at St. Lawrence and he's the bullpen guy for his travel team, it, it messes up the entire week. It, I mean, it really does. For sure. You know, I, I've had kids come back and, or a coach call me and say, Hey, I, I had to throw so-and-so 138 pitches on Sunday because we had nobody else. Well, in my opinion, you should have canceled the game. You know, you can't put that kid out there just because, you know, Johnny is, you know, thinks he's thrown in front of a college and, you know, burning up another kid. Like, you can't do that. I coached with the Sparks for, you know, four or five summers. And, you know, so there, there, there was a lot of that going on, like where you're, you're you know, throwing kids probably a little bit too much. Um, but, you know, again, it is what it is. It's, you know, and kids think they're getting showcased. And, you know, again, honestly, like going to some of those places in Georgia and Michigan and all these other places, colleges know who they're going to see. They know exactly what they're looking for, you know, but they they use some of these other kids to, you know, obviously feel the team and get them smaller school looks. But every kid's aspirations are to play Division One, And, you know, a lot of parents aren't realistic and a lot of kids aren't realistic, unfortunately. No, that that's that's a great point. Like you said, going to like the East Cobb tournaments and all that stuff. You know, hey Johnny, yeah, I need you to pitch right here. Like, look at all these guns back here. But you got the guys <laughs> throwing ninety-eight going against you. They're not here for you. You're here no. to innings to get us to the next round or get us to the next game. But yeah, thanks thanks for playing. Um, when you go back to your high school team next <laughs> week, uh, yeah, just go do whatever you got to do and. I, I've witnessed that a lot too. I played for the Downers Grove Long Shots growing up. Uh, I coached in the hitters organization. And so I've been around the travel ball game a lot. Um, and I mean, I'm not going to bash them, but I saw a lot of it at the Sparks, like where, where there are kids that I played weekly with in high school that, oh, just threw Sunday against us on our travel team and then was thrown on Wednesday. It, was, it, it happened more times than not. Yeah, unfortunately, it's probably a lot of organizations. And, you know, again, rightfully so. Sometimes the kids aren't honest either. You know, they'll say, you know, I've had kids come back. Well, I didn't throw. I really didn't throw it all this weekend. And then one of the other teammates would be like, Coach, he threw a lot yesterday. And it's like, you know, again, I I, I want the kids to be honest. And, you know, we've, we've had kids uh, the last probably five or six years who have never thrown an inning for us in the summer just because I know what they're doing. Um on the weekends and you know I again I, I want to make sure that they're healthy when our season comes back so um, you know that's a that's a big misconception about like we think or people think that they have to be at St. Lawrence for this and that but that's completely not true so I mean so what is your thoughts on like D1 baseball I mean I know that's every kid uh, aspiration but when you really look at D1 baseball to me it's kind of like pay to play a little bit I mean, it's not like most kids are going to get a full ride scholarship in the first place. That's one reason why they, uh, the coaches are very big on a kid having, you know, excellent grades so they can kind of get some money, you know, on the academic side to kind of help balance out what they're not going to get, you know, from the baseball side. But to me, I, I never understood why kids wouldn't be happy even if they went to play baseball juco or the d2 i mean because when you really look at and a lot of these kids get cut too that's another thing that is not talked about 
as far as D1 baseball. A lot of those kids never even see the field. They never even make it past the um, fall season. You know what I mean? Some of them has been sheltered, unfortunately, like you said. So when they go up against some real dogs, some other, some talent that's just as good as them, they don't know how to handle it or they can't perform, you know, in the weight room or they can't perform as far as in the, uh, the conditioning part of the program and they just get cut. And, I, yeah. and and not just kids who was French kids. I'm talking about it's been kids who got drafted that got cut, you know what I mean? So I think parents need to educate themselves more on D1 baseball and just think and, and stop thinking that's the end-all, be-all, you know? Yeah, it's it's tough. Like, I, I can go up and down our, our 16 years, and we've had kids go Division One just because they wanted to go Division One, you know, whether it was a walk-on or, you know, uh, you know, a 40% scholarship. Well, 40% of a $35,000 school, you know, you can do the math. That's still a, a pretty penny, you know, where there were NAIA schools telling them, hey, we'll give you 100%. Well, to me, if you're a fringe Division One kid, you're going to have a tough time anyway cutting the roster. So why not go where you can play? You're going to walk in, play right away, and then also have all your school paid for. That That's, you know, to, to have aspirations to go bigger, I get. But also that's where the parents and the, the players need to be somewhat realistic on on what's what's important. You know, and everybody's situation is different. Everybody's money situation is different. Like for me, when, when it's time for my kids, if they're not for sure Division One, you know, drop time drop dead division one kids i'm gonna push them to where they're gonna get their school paid for like that's i don't know how people afford it number one um you know i i do because it's taking out loans and putting yourself in a hole especially with baseball with the the scholarships like you know there's not too many kids who get over you know that 40 or 50 percent so it 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 is a it's a tough a tough gig yeah i mean if you if you do the math, though, this is the interesting thing to me. And I'm going to be honest, and a lot of people are not going to like this, but to me, I don't think a kid should play travel ball baseball unless their goal is to go pro. Because when you figure all the money you're going to spend just on the lessons, just on traveling, just on being on the team, when you add up all that money just to go, let's just say you play from 12U to 17U, mm-hmm. you're probably going to spend upwards of twenty five, thirty thousand, 30000 Easy. 100%. By the time you add in hotels, meals, you know, private lessons, that that's 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 probably and on the coaches, What'd you say? Paying the coaches as well, like that—that all—that all goes into it. Yeah, yeah. It, it it really is not a great model. So you know, so one of my kids plays in Oak Lawn, my middle guy, um, and then my oldest one plays for top tier, the our top tier feeder team that we run out of St. Lawrence. So, um, you know, so I coach that, and you know, it's it. I see it every day, people. You know, people think that coaches are miracle workers too. Like a lot of kids, is it's it's genetic. Like you're you can get yourself better, but we teach a lot of things to to 
you know, really put yourself in a good spot to succeed. You know, I'm not going to ask someone to hit home runs if they're not capable of doing those things. You know, we talk a lot about, you know, at bats approach and things like that. Whereas, you know, uh, you go to a hitting guy and he's going to tell the same thing to, to all 50 kids that he works with. He's never seen you in a game. He's never seen you in a, in a game situation. He sits there and flips you balls and says, Oh, great job because you can hit a flip. Okay. Well, little Johnny steps out when he faces a live pitcher. Okay. Well, that's an issue. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, that's what I'm saying is if the game has become so specialized now, like just for a player, like to make it, you spending, man, just a ton of money. You got, Conditioning coaches now that people are paying to get their kids' body right. You got the hitting coach. You got the fielding coach. And that doesn't count the money that you're going to pay to get your kid on the travel ball team if he makes it, which most kids are making travel ball teams now anyway because there's so many teams at each travel ball location now. So it's not like it used to be where it was like the creme de la creme play you know travel ball now it's almost every level of kid can make a travel ball team so every program has their blue red and white team yeah yeah every yeah oh yeah a b c 16 year olds yeah you know so and it used to not be like that it used to be you know the sparks used to have one team top tier had one elite team the long shots had one team now there's two and three teams at each age level which you know, again, right there, it's just going to water it down. And a lot of it was the facilities that all that were popping up with, you know, some of these big places. And, you know, they got to pay for that. I get it. There's a need for it. But it's also that's where some of the unrealistic expectations from parents come in. And then nobody's happy in the end. Well, you got, uh, and then you, you, a lot of teams only given one practice a week. I mean, how much, how, how much can you learn? In one practice a week, what you gonna get twelve? If you're if you're an infielder, you gonna get twelve ground balls. You know what I mean. Yeah. If you're in the cage, what you gonna get? You might get twenty, thirty cuts. I mean, anything after that one day of practice is extra. You have to pay extra out of your pocket for. It. And I don't think a lot of people understand that. And that's why I keep saying, if your kid goal is not to go pro, then trying to be on one of these elite organization teams. It's not going to make sense for your kid, especially if you're just trying to get a D1 scholarship. If you just save the money that you would spend for his travel ball, you'll at least be able to play one year or two years of college with what you would spend playing travel ball. 100%. Well, even what Coach was saying, too, with all these guys being on the fringe of, you know, D1, like, oh, hey, I can get my walk on in D1. I'm going to take this. There are so many JUCO options in the Chicagoland area. If you're in that situation that, hey, go to Triton, go to South Sub, go to John A. Logan. And then if you think you're a dude, go play with the dudes that are probably going to get drafted or are legit D1s because their grades didn't get in there. And then see if you can hang with that and pay probably nothing, next to nothing to go to school for two years, one or two years and expose yourself. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Triton, some of those programs was was pretty good programs. I mean, Triton used to have a pretty good program, you know. Um, yeah. Logan, they got a pretty good program, you know. They actually got some guys 
Well, they had last year before COVID, they had guys on their team that actually had got drafted. You know what I mean? So yeah. I just think, you know, D1. number one pitcher is going to Ole Miss next year. Yeah, as a, like as a freshman. Hey, he was, a, he was a fringe guy. He got seen. He's going to Ole Miss next year, one of the top five teams in the nation. Yeah. I think the JUCOs have been really the ones that have been hurt by a lot of these guys that, you know, they'd rather go and sit on the bench and, you know, think they're Division One players, but they're walk-ons. And, you know, they're still Division One players, yes. But also, again, they, they could have probably bettered themselves if, if they would have, you know, maybe went a different route. Right. So are you saying at the high school level, are you saying like more and more recruitment, you know, at you guys' level as far as, you know, battling for players? As far as with the other high schools? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's always going to be tough because everybody's kind of going after, you know, those, you know, the really good kids, you know. But, you know, to be honest, we, we recruit a little bit differently. Um, we recruit, you know, families and, and, and fit. We want kids who are going to really work hard and, you know, buy into our program. You know, it's, you know, so we don't necessarily go after the best kids. Now, obviously, we want talented kids, um, but we also want talented kids that are going to buy in and and really get themselves better. You know, we had the McCormick kid uh, two years ago. He's playing at West Virginia now. And Matt was the best hitter I've ever seen. Not even a question. Um we had to make him go to Team USA tryouts, you know, and and he he didn't want it. He didn't want to. He wanted to be around us. He wanted to be around St. Lawrence, and you know, wanted to be around his high school teammates. Um, you know, and so those are the types of kids that we like, and you know, those are the types of kids that went out. Yeah, I remember uh, McCormick. I remember his freshman year. He was a catcher, but y'all had him at third base his uh, mm-hmm. freshman year. And then yep. I, I forget when you guys uh, put him behind the plate. Yeah. We had Rios. He's playing at Lewis. He's a senior now, catcher. So Matt played fresh, played third base as a freshman, and um, then he caught the rest of his career. Yeah, he was and he now, was an unbelievable he, hitter as a freshman. Yeah, so, he, he's good. <laughs> so, Coach, where where are you? Where are you guys pulling most of your players from? Just because you get like. St. Lawrence, for people listening that don't know, is in that weird pocket in Burbank right there where you got Rita, you got Rice, you got Lamont, you got Sandberg. Like, there's there's so many schools that you can choose to go to around there. Where, where are you picking your guys from mainly? Yeah, we get, we get kids from all over the place. And, and to be honest, we like getting kids from different organizations and different, you know um, – places because then it, it helps you know when things gel and, and come together rather than you know some of these kids play with each other for three four five years and then you know how that goes then you know parents get jealous and things like that where you know this we try to you know build a family so we get kids from Orland, Payless, uh, Garfield Ridge still, uh, Oak Lawn, you know Mount Greenwood it, it really it really doesn't matter to us. You know, we get kids from top tier. We get kids from the Sparks. We get, you know, I think we, I think we have 29 different uh, travel teams that feed into St. Lawrence baseball. 
mm. you know, which is, uh, you know, again, it, it's a great thing because, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of good players out there, but, um, you know, it, it's really a, a program thing that we do. No, that's, that's, that's awesome. Just, just a little question that I had just because I mean, it is so hard and growing up like St. Lawrence was never the school to go to, but obviously you, you and your brother have put St. Lawrence as one of the top baseball programs in the area. So I just was wondering how it is competing against those other schools still. Yeah. I mean, it, it, they're all good schools. And, and to be honest with what we're doing at St. Lawrence academically is, is really helped us get um, number one, smarter kids. Um, we've become more selective in, in who we take in. So we, we've turned away over a hundred kids the last, you know, three years, you know, each year over, you know, over those, that period, you know, where 10 years ago, we were taking anybody who, you know, could pay tuition and things like that. You know, our academics have really um, helped us in that regard. Our ACT scores have gone up five full points in the last eight years. We're a STEM school. Next year is going to be the first year we're going to be a, a IB school. We're the first Catholic school um, to, to get this accreditation. It's a, it's a really big deal for, for high achieving um, smart kids where some of these other schools, you know, they're still doing the same thing that they did in 1980, you know, and unfortunately that, that, you know, that's, that doesn't work anymore. Kids learn differently. You guys know it's, you know, kids are, kids need instant gratification, instant results because, you know, the phones are, are, are so, so advanced where they can, they can type on Twitter and, and pull something up within seconds or go on Google and they have instant, you know, feedback. So we, we have, we have taken some risks academically and, and they're really starting to pay off now for, for us at St. Lawrence. And, it, and it's, again, it's, it's helping the school. It's helping us recruit baseball wise. Um, but, you know, again, all those other schools that they're good, they're good schools. They just, we just offer something different. Like our kids learn really differently at St. Lawrence. There's not uh, we're a project based school. So it's, it's really, um, you know, learning with your hands, you know, and we encourage kids to make mistakes in learning, putting themselves in real world problems and, and figuring things out on their own. Teachers are there, obviously, to facilitate. Um, you know, there's still some teaching that goes on, but we want kids to, to be able to figure things out rather than, you know, th- so the kids are given um, the answer, basically. And it's, all right, how did we get there? You know, one of the one of the, the freshman math classes, you know, Burbank is putting in a, a, a pool, you know, so they get the budget and, and they have to have a design team, a marketing team and things like that, where, you know, again, those are real world instances um, instead of sitting there and staring at the back of somebody's head for 45 minutes and trying to regurgitate what, what teacher says and you remember it for the test. And then after that, you don't remember anything. Right. It, it's been great. I'm, I'm super excited to, to still be at St. Lawrence and, um, you know, we're excited for the, for the future of St. Lawrence education. Well, I got a tough question for you, coach. Oh, geez. I got a good answer. <laughs> oh, geez. I want you to rank your school rivals in order who you think <laughs> is number one and then to the least. So out of Brother Rice, Carmel, and Rita. And the Richards Bulldogs. <laughs> I don't think they Richards won't play us anymore. <laughs> oh damn! I See, don't you, think guys, they you guys were opening. You guys were opening weekend series every year. 
Yeah. Even and when I played at St. Lawrence, it was the same thing. In, we played in the snow and it was miserable. We played and it would be one year we played at St. Lawrence. Then you guys come to us. That's just how yep. it was. Every year, even when I was at St. Lawrence, uh, it, we were we were doing that. And it was we knew we were going to get a, a 38 degree day. And it <laughs> yep. was just all right. Opening day. Let's go. Yep. And you better you hoped you didn't have a pitcher going against you that threw hard because <laughs> it was going to hurt. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Uh, I, I honestly, you know, the, the, that's a, that's a tough question. You know, I have, uh, I have some, I've been around St. Lawrence a long time. So, you know, my, my brother is seven years older than me. So I've seen, uh, seen these rivalries and they get heated. Um, but I don't know if I could pick one. I'll be honest. Well, hey, coach. Coach, I, I'm, I'm not going to make you elaborate on it, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure I know your answer based on a 2012 incident at uh, at the Crestwood Stadium. I, I think we could probably all agree on that. It's probably not that one, to be honest. Oh, really? <laughs> wow. Oh. No, probably oh. not. That, that one, you know, that one, it was an, an unfortunate incident. Um, do I wish it never happened? I, I do. Um, but that was a long time coming. You know, when we first took over, there there was a lot of stuff that, you know, people treated us like we were dirt, you know, because we weren't good. And, you know, we are we were not going to stand for that. You know, in all those schools that you guys mentioned where I can name some instances where they talked down to us or treated us like that. And, you know, it, it took for us to, to finally win and start beating them to for them to. Um, kind of take a step back and realize that, you know, we were there and we weren't going to go away. Yeah, no, that, that, that's just a great attitude to have. Like, I'm kind of excited to start following St. Lawrence baseball now, <laughs> just to kind of see that grit that uh, you're talking about and see how it continues to grow. Yeah, man, you guys got my attention. I'll never forget this play. And I think the catcher, so this wasn't just, you know, any – Catcher, I think the catcher just signed, you know, with an MLB team. But uh, it was in the playoff game, and it was against Mount Carmel. And you guys I'm- did a delayed steal to home. And i never forget that play because I couldn't believe that you guys had pulled it off. <laughs> yep, Tommy Farrell, he's, uh, he's playing at UIC right now. He, you know, again, these are things that we, we, we let our kids make decisions to like, we try not to overcoach and Tommy saw the first two throws that AJ. And again, I think AJ Lewis is one of the best players that we've ever coached against. Um, you know, he was taken for granted that we were at third base and lobbing the ball back to, um, Diego Munoz on the time at the time. And, you know, that won us the game. It, it set the tone that we were we were going to win, you know, Tommy stole that base in the first inning and, uh, you know, the rest is history. And then we beat rice, um, you know, the next day to go to the super sectionals. Yeah. I remember that game because I don't think anybody really thought you guys was going to win because they were, I mean, they had a deep team. That year. That team, I, I believe that entire infield was like D one guys, you know, 100%. Yep. It, it was something rare. And I think they had that big kid at the time who went to, uh, I believe he went to Wake uh, Forest. You know, I can't think of his name. Bobby Seymour. Yeah, yep. Bobby Seymour. Yeah. So, yep. 
they were they were loaded. They they were. They had they had a bunch of, of really high end players that year. Yeah. So but you, you, yep. you you guys that's why I, I give you guys credit because y'all really develop your own talent, man. I mean that's a hard thing to do. You know, it's it's a it's extremely difficult. And it's the long route, to be honest. I mean you could you could choose to take a shorter route as far as, as getting talent. Especially now that you guys have, uh, you know, really made a name for yourselves, it it could really be easier for you just to go out there and, and you know kind of recruit, you know, a whole bunch of top talent. I mean, year in and year out, you know. Yeah, and like I told you on the beginning of the call, like you know, again, we we take such pride in our practices, and you know, having those kids stripped of, you know. A season last year we were coming off a state championship run and we returned every single pitcher and then every uh position except two you know and then having these juniors and seniors and the sophomores now that never got to practice with those kids um you know it has really hurt us you know again that it's a whole development thing um you know where where we put these kids in situations and um, you know, every day at practice is, is different stuff. Um, but you know, it moves fast. So three and a half hours probably scares a lot of people, but, um, again, it, it moves fast and, you know, there, there's a lot that gets accomplished with that, but, you know, again, not to make excuses, we're gonna, we're gonna give it our all this year. And, um, you know, hopefully by the end of the year, we're playing our best baseball. Are you shocked by how good, you know, baseball has gotten on the south side. I mean, with Chicago being a cold weather, you know, city, as far as you got the Catholic League guys who are doing well, you also got, you know, your CPS schools like Simeon and Morgan Park. They're producing talent and, and uh, Harlan High School. So are you shocked by the talent level that you guys are producing? I'm not. I, I think this is a, a, a hotbed for baseball. Um, I got two instances. So we travel every year for St. Lawrence. Um, we've been to Vegas, California, uh, Florida, um, where else? Um, Indianapolis. So we were in California the one year and we were facing uh, San Dimas. They had a first rounder, uh, Peter Lambert going, um, you know, and we were at the USC game before I was talking, sitting next to a scout and he said, who are you guys playing tomorrow? And I told him San Dimas. And he's like, oh, good luck. He said, you guys don't got a chance. And I'm just like, this guy doesn't know. Like, we're tough Chicago kids. Like, we ain't going to give in. We ended up losing the game two to one in, in nine innings. Um, but, you know, again, talent-wise, we had no business on the same field as those kids. But, you know, our kids were going to – our kids are going to do what they're they're taught to do. And they're going to grind them – grind out at bats and, and throw strikes and those kinds of things. Uh, the, the following year, we're playing Bishop Gorman to open up our season, and we're up two to nothing in the last inning. And um, you know, we're actually staying in the same hotel as the Bishop Gorman team. And the coach said, "Man, I thought we were going to walk right through you guys, being from Chicago, and you know, not being on a field. You know, it's March twentieth. We still weren't on a field at all. Um, you know, and, and, and we go out there and we beat them. And it was, you know, it's." Again, our, our kids are going to be tough kids, and they're not going to give in to anybody. We don't care who it is, um, and I think that's a credit to how hard our kids work. And my last question for you, with you being a coach, were you disappointed with the White Sox hiring 
Tony Larusa? Were you a fan of the move, or you know, did you think they should bring in a numbers guy like uh, AJ Hinch? No way. I'm a huge fan of Tony Larusa. He's won. That's what we want, right? <laughs> he's proven he can win. Do do I do I like the fact that he's 76 years old? I don't know. I don't know if I care. Um, but if he wins, it's a great move. If he loses. People are going to find ways, like Joe Madden. Joe Madden was the best manager in the world when those guys were dressing up and acting goofy on the road. And then as soon as they start losing, oh, you can't do that stuff. So, you know, it, it, it's it's a it gives something that people talk about. I love it. I think he's a winner, and hopefully, you know, my, my biggest thing was when you know when everybody was talking about it, you know, having you know. If they didn't consult with guys like Tim Anderson and Jose Abreu, then that probably wouldn't have went well. If if they consulted with them and said, hey, this is what we're thinking and this is why, I'm all for it. Makes sense to me. Well, we want to thank you, Coach, for coming on the show. I really enjoyed the baseball conversation. Uh, I'm a fan of you guys' program. You know, uh, I would say baseball-wise, I'm a little biased. I'm, I'm a semi-eye guy. But you know Lawrence will probably be number two, you know. But uh, all right, I really, I, uh, I really like you know what you guys doing over there. Like I say, I'm a fan of, of people that work hard, you know. And you guys got a program over there where, you know, you just not getting the best talent and going out there and winning. You guys are actually creating a program over there and kind of you know developing players. So I appreciate the work you're doing on the south side as far as baseball-wise, man. It's a really good job. I I appreciate that. And, you know, if there's ever uh, – if you ever want to come out to a practice, both of you guys, you guys are more than welcome to come out. And uh, when the weather gets warmer, you guys are more than welcome to come out and kind of watch what goes on and uh, see how we coach and see how we interact with the kids. That would be awesome. Well, I, I appreciate that invitation. I'm sure Mac does as well. Um, great, great conversation all around. Um, Coach Adam Lotus from St. Lawrence. We do, we really do appreciate you coming on talking some baseball. Going to start wrapping it up here. Make sure that you go follow at the Bad Guy Radio on Twitter. Follow Iowa Sox, uh, King Mac, Adam. If you want to drop your Twitter handle, see if people want to follow you. You can. If not, I'm not active. I try to. Um, I try uh, not to post too much. <laughs> <laughs> I share St. Lawrence stuff and that's about it. But, um, you know, any, anytime you guys are looking for a guest and if I'm free, I would love to love to love to come back on. This was fun. Oh, definitely. Definitely. We'll, we'll definitely have you on for some uh, more baseball talk, but Hey guys, that's it for episode number four of black and white with Iowa Sox, King Mac and special guest, Adam Lotus. Go follow us and we're out.